I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Thank you, Megan, and enjoy your giant coffee or whatever that is. Is that hot chocolate? <laughs> I guess it's coffee. Maybe it's latte. She looks more like a latte person. Anyway, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly. If you have questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 or comments. Certainly enjoy those. Every Saturday morning we get together and discuss your yard and your landscape and weather which is having such a huge impact on so many different things. Your house plants, your potting mixes, what you need to do, soil improvement before you stick any plants into the ground, and uh, pruning bugs, diseases, plant removals, and plant divisions, and all that other kind of stuff. Remember, my words are strictly to open opportunities. Afterwards, it's effort on your part, both physical and mental. And this is a marathon. It is never a sprint. Well, I shouldn't say never because you can go to some place and buy a pot of things and bloom. And, you know, so that is a sprint. But uh, longevity factor wise, no. This is your show and I appreciate you being here. Thanks to Greg. He's again producing. And um, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since it was actually invented or started or whatever you do. In 1994, I've written five gardening books. Two are currently available at various locations, Revised Missouri Gardener's Guide, and that's pictures and information about individual plants, 165 different ones, and then month-by-month gardening in Missouri, how to take care of all those plants. Also, I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine, and I do quirky stuff, you know, not just the typical A, B, C, D. And uh, during the week, I do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. And uh, the homepage, that's where my email address and phone number is, where I can be reached. Today's Good Gunning Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. It steps off right now. I'll tell you what. As I was headed on Gravoy towards downtown, the sky looked like there was a giant forest fire on the east side. I mean, it was... the the way the angle of the sun and the clouds that were right there, it was nothing but spectacular. It was orange. It was striking. It was perfect. And so I decided, hmm, where do I want to take the walk? And I thought, well, there's a park right across the street from, uh, guess what, KMOX, Park Pacific Building, and also right across the street from the Soldiers Memorial, which is still being worked on. And uh, Sluke, Slew Law School's right there, too, on the other side of Tucker, basically at 13th and Pine. And on the corner, there is giant pots that looks like Cassily. So, or Cassily, is it Cassily? Cassily, mm, uh-oh. Anyway, so the, his kind of workings. And oleander, chartreuse, sweet potato vine, uh, some uh, purple Tratus cantia, and some coleus looked very, very good. The coleus was just starting to put out some small clusters of flowers. I guess they'd been pinched back before. There was open spaces in the, you know, in the parkway there. It's a, once, it's a 
like kind of a casual park. But a lot of times when there's events down in this part of town, they use it to set up tents and all this other stuff. And there's uh, walkways that arc all the way through at various locations. And um, as I was looking at, uh, I, which I come down to town a lot, you know, not a huge amount. But uh, what happens is there's a lot of the parking meters have been eliminated. And they, they have posts with numbers on them. Then you take that number, you memorize it half a block away, and you deposit into this various, I, I don't know what that you would call that thing, a deposit, parking depository. But they're solar powered. I did not know that. There were solar you know, panels on top of those things. So I had not known that one before. And the one right across the street from us is number 2220. There's a lot of oak tree leaves on the ground. They dominate as the confetti on the lawn. At Tucker and Pine, there's a single pot again with the Oleander, Coleus, Sweet Potato Vine, and Purple Tratus Cantia. Right a trio of pots, so right along Tucker between the stoplight and the streetlight, you're going to see things like feathery grass, which is very wispy, blowing in the wind this morning. There is a bulky amount of sweet potato vines, all kinds, I think four different colors in that one. So that is that plant is just taken off to, as far as far as popularity goes. Several types of coleus, and uh, some of the coleus had been cut back. And it wasn't just broken off. They were cut, I could tell, by the angle of the cuts. And then, the, to me, one of my favorite plants of all time as far as annuals go is the angel wing begonia. Those glossy dark green leaves and bright red flowers are some of them stuck, I think, in the center pot. As I was standing there making some notes, a squirrel comes up with an acorn in his mouth. He sort of stares at me like, where should I plant this? I'm not exactly sure. So he sat up on his back legs and took a look around. Hmm, ah, hmm, ah. The problem is, even for squirrels, when it's this dry, they have a hard time digging in the ground to plant those acorns. So, anyway, breezy, coolish. Many people were walking with long sleeve shirts or jackets on. So, it was absolutely a fantastic, great morning. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you are thinking about doing some seeding, overseeding with like uh, bluegrass or fescues, cool season lawn seed, you are right at the cusp of getting that stuff down, getting it established before the cooler, colder weather gets here. And what's wrong with cooler, colder weather? Yes, it does mean the plants are going dormant. But the freeze-thaw cycle, it can, if something's not well-established root system-wise, individual seeds even, they can heave them up out of the ground, and then you've just kind of wasted your money. So you are, I mean, if I was going to do it, to be honest with you, I would very much consider not doing it. But if you have the seed, you're all ready to go and everything else, go ahead and do it and just make sure you keep it well-watered because everything is extremely dry. Let's go out to West County first and go into Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Hi, um, I have some burning bushes that I want to trim. When is the best time? Can I do that now, or should I wait till the leaves fall off? Uh, you can do it now. Basically, they're okay. starting, you know, it's normally you want to leave it because you want to see as much red as you possibly can. I thought but, about that, yeah. So that would be the only disadvantage of doing it. But to, you can do it now. You can wait if you want to. Uh, normally, I say, you know, take advantage of whatever they are and uh, wait, but uh, it's up to you. Okay, and then you have you all much. the time to do it up until springtime when the new growth begins, so you don't even have to do it in the fall. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you very much. Yep. 
And now let's go from West County into St. Louis into Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Good. Hey, listen, I called you about six weeks ago about a purple plum tree that was losing its leaves, uh, but it was losing them very uniformly. So, And you said, don't worry. Uh, it was just a pretty harsh uh, summer. Right. right. But now I'm seeing large um, mushroom growth right at the base of the tree. Ooh. So I think I've got another problem. You certainly could have. But uh, the mushroom, do you have mulch there? I do have, I have rubber mulch. Oh, so you're not going to have anything growing on that. What I would do is pull the mulch back and see where these mushrooms are growing because the mushrooms only grow any kind of fungus, mushroom-related type thing, grows on something that's dead or dying. So that's certainly an indication. And, and these trees are, you know, some of them are grafted. So in other words, there are two trees stuck together, a root system and a trunk that has the leaves and everything else. So you may have a decline just in general. And the mushrooms are certainly could be an indication, but pull your mulch back and see where these mushrooms, you know, or whatever are attached. They're attached at, at like one of the, the major stem roots. Oh. oh. So that's not a really good sign for sure, because again, fungus, mushrooms, all that type of stuff does not grow on viable, you know, let's say healthy, any kind of growth, whether it's above ground or below ground. So that's a, you know, doesn't sound good. All right. Would that maybe be coming from, is it possible there was an oak tree that was cut down in the tree lawn on South St. Louis uh, about 30 feet away? Is it possible those spores could have drifted over into the the purple plum trees uh, vicinity and kind of planted themselves? Well, they would plant themselves, but if there's not something dead right there, then they're not going to grow. Okay. I also kind of found out that maybe that by exposing that root, at least 12 inches down and letting it dry out really well, and then just maybe put uh, fresh dirt that has no organic compost in it that that may assist. I don't know who told you that, but that's a bunch of baloney. Well, that's what the Internet says, and the Internet tells you everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the real question is, 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 is this a sign that this tree is going to die? Yes, okay, basically. So it may be a slow, you know, involved process over a couple of years, but if this is one of the major roots, I mean, that's, you know, where the feeder roots are at the end of it. That's what t- uptakes nutrients and moisture and everything else that keeps the top of the tree viable. So something was already happening, you know, that you didn't realize and I didn't realize until we started, until you started seeing this, you know, this fungus growth. So once that starts happening, and these trees have a fairly limited life as far as, you know, longevity factor. Like 10, 15 years, years, that's about it. Okay. So is it, and because fall is the time to plant a tree, is this also the time to dig this one out and put a new one in its place? Yeah, you could. Don't put it right on top of where the existing one was because there may be too much wood product there. And it's not that, the you know, you don't have to worry about the fungus or, you know, you know, or anything else, the mushrooms, but just don't put it right on top of the exact spot. Move it out a foot or two at least. Okay, yeah, I've got a postage-sized uh, uh, stamped yard, so I don't have a whole lot of room to move. Right. right. Even a foot or two is fine? Yeah. yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, thanks, Joe. And let's stay with the name Joe, only let's go to Joe and Arnold. Hi, Joe. Uh, yes, sir. I have a question about we want to put a wheelbarrow planter in the, in the yard. Uh, how many holes should I drill in the bed and uh, for that? Uh, probably I would make the holes maybe a quarter to a half inch, but I you probably at least 
especially I'm assuming it's slanted. And, right. you know, at the low end, that's where the water's going to end up going. I'd probably put the majority of the holes, you know, towards the low end. I'd probably put them maybe six inches apart, use a metal, you know, use a drill bit that's probably right. a half inch. And then what I would do is, you know, get some rock that won't fall through those holes and put a layer of rock at the very bottom. Okay, thank you very much. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I've, there's uh, somebody down the street from me that I walk past their yard have has done that in I think they've lost, let's say, interest in it because it doesn't look so good. First couple of years when I lived in South City, it was really looking good. But now, hmm. Janet lives in Lebanon, Illinois. Hi, Janet. Good morning, Mike. I love your show. Well, thanks. It's your show. Thank you very much. I have a question, Mike. I have four uh, pretty large pots in my front yard of uh, tropical hibiscus plants. And they're blooming, and they're beautiful. But I'm noticing on a couple of them, I have, um, like, little tiny spider webs along some of the branches and under the leaves. And I'm wondering what I, if there's something I can get to spray on those because I want to bring them in the house for the winter. First of all, I will tell you, bringing hibiscus inside, they are really going to be a disappointment. But, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's okay. really fine because they're going to drop a lot of leaves. They're not going to flower the foliage is going to really lose color. Now, these spots where, you know, you're seeing these spiders, what does the foliage look like at that location where these webs are? The, the leaves, the foliage looks fine. It's just got these little tiny, I call them miniature spider webs. Yeah, maybe miniature spider webs. Spider mites would actually be there, and they make the webbing too, but what they do is make the foliage look stippled. So, in other words, it won't be a nice green color. It'll look like somebody kind of... I don't want to say took a spray bottle and shot bleach on it, but it has that kind of stippling look. So if the leaf looks dark green and everything looks fine, then these are probably just regular type spiders. And I wouldn't, you know, obviously if you want to get uh, rid of them, just go to your favorite garden center and get, a, you know, something specifically for killing spiders. Okay. So regular insecticide will not kill spiders. That's why if you do have, you know, spider mites, you got to get a miticide. And uh, so that's the thing you got to do. Go to your favorite garden center and tell them you have, you know, spiders that you want to get rid of. Okay. And then also just take a, before you even bother doing that, take a hose, you know, spray all the, you know, the webbing off that you can possibly get. Wait a day or two and see if they're, let's say, rebuilt. And then if they're rebuilt, you might consider getting, uh, you know, um, something to kill the spiders. And you better get your house plants in soon. You know, because you want them to acclimate while they're still the maximum amount of light, but the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Okay. Okay, thank you so much, yep. Mike. And let's get one more call in. Let's go to John in Richmond Heights. Hi, John. Good morning, Mike. Quick question. Uh, I'm in line to get my flu shot, but um, <laughs> quick question is, I've been very negligent this summer. Uh, I've not watered the yard a lot. Oof. Is it too late to water it uh, now? And in the same venue, what do you think about mulching as compared to my neighbors think you have to pick up and, and put everything in a lawn bag? And I said, well, what do they do in a, in a golf course? They don't they don't pick up all that stuff. I mean, you know, what what so, you know, is it too late to water everything now because it really is dry and everything? But uh, so those are my two questions. Yeah, I would start watering and I'd water every day 
The first day, only, let's say, 15 or 20 minutes or so. The second day, add another 5 or 10 minutes to it. Until when you go out there, you can take a screwdriver or, or a weeder and push it into the ground in the, right after you finish watering, and you can go down and feel that the ground is soft. Because if you try to water for extended periods of time right now, just like if we have a really hard rainfall right now, it's just going to run off the surface. None of it's going to soak in. So that's why I'm saying just do a little bit, you know, a shorter period of time, and then build up to a longer period of time. And then as far as uh, what was your other – oh, if your mower has a capability to mulch, that's fine. But still, at the end of your mowing season, you're going to go out there and you should probably rake the areas – even if you've used a mulching mower or just a regular mower. Because if you don't, you're going to have a lot of thatch there. And thatch, you know, in, con- in conjunction with real thatch, which is like dead plant, let's say grass root systems, grass crowns and things like that, you have a potential for a fungus problem. So you can, yeah, I run the mower over. I have a mulching mower, but I run it over the you know, fallen leaves until, you know, at the very end. Then I go ahead and just do one raking. Okay. Thanks. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Touchdown, Kansas City! Sunday, the Chiefs travel to Houston to take on the Texans. Pre-game at 6, kickoff 7.30. Hear Chiefs football here on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Don't be antisocial. Network with KMOX on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Click on the KMOX.com for details. To the phones we go, and we're headed to South County and into Jan's yard. Hi, Jan. Good morning. Um, I have a large asparagus fern in a pot that I bring in every winter. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I can leave it outside. <laughs> yes. In New you, Orleans. <laughs> you can leave it outside, and it'll be dead by the time spring comes around. No, they're not okay. hardy whatsoever. Okay, New Orleans, my sister has it in the ground. That's a different climate, of course. So. Yeah, and New Orleans, yes, very, very, very different than St. Louis. I mean, yeah. if you know, we even a mild winter like we had last winter, an asparagus fern wouldn't be able to survive. Okay. So. And then it's very root-bound in this pot. It, it, as long as I don't want it to get any bigger, is it okay just sleeping it there? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, once you, if it starts pushing, I mean, asparagus ferns have a really weird root system. They have these kind of like bulby things in there. And as long as it looks healthy, everything looks good, then definitely, you know, don't fool around with it. You don't have to. Okay, now one time I did take a drill bit and I drilled holes so that it, the water could um, get in. Otherwise, it kind of overflows on the side. <laughs> Is there a problem to do that? <laughs> well, it's not advisable, but uh, the plant survives, so it's pretty tough. I never heard of drilling down into asparagus fern roots, but, uh, you know, that I, I learn something all the time. Okay. Okay. Maybe I'll try it again then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Certainly. And also, you know, the pot that it's in, for anybody with pots, you should always have about an, any place, depending upon the size of the pot, between a half inch and an inch, you know, but the top edge of the pot and the, where the potting mix or slash root systems are growing. Let's go now to Dennis, and he's in South, no, and just in St. Louis County somewhere. Hi, Dennis. Hi. I've got questions about hydrangeas. Okay. And um, I, I, have, uh, I have two hydrangeas that I've had for about 15 years, and I've gotten really good blooms out of them over the years. Now, but I never know exactly when to trim them. 
this this past year I trimmed them. I tried to catch it with as as they say in late winter. Well, I think it was in late uh, January. The sun came out one day and buds got on them. Uh, it started budding out, but I went ahead and cut them because I was uh, I was afraid it was I was going to be too late. And but I cut them, and I only got one bloom on each plant. I got wonderful foliage, but uh, but I only got one bloom on each one. Also, while I while I have you, what is there really any effective way to change the colors? They were originally blue. They turned pink, and uh, now now I, all I get is pink blooms out of them. Yes, use aluminum sulfate. That will change them back to the bluish. So you can go to your favorite garden center and tell them you need aluminum sulfate. And then as far as pruning goes, these are ones that bloom in the springtime, I'm assuming, you know, later spring. So if you, if you prune them coming out of wintertime, you have the potential of eliminating the flowers for sure because you're cutting off the flower buds. So with you know the ones that bloom before June, anytime before June, doesn't matter if it's PG, it doesn't matter if it's a blue one, it doesn't matter if pink or anything else, it's you got to prune it within a month or two of the time that it actually flowers. That's the way to ensure you're going to have the maximum amount of flower buds the following year. So these bloom like in uh, July, August. Okay. So, uh, so then you so should be able, you know, your pruning when you did should not have interfered with the flowering. Unless it, because the flower, the leaf buds are set, you know, so if these are summer bloomers, leaf buds are set, that's what you pruned off. But the flower buds are not even formed yet. The flower buds start forming after the leaves start coming out. So when is the best time to trim them? I keep reading uh, late winter or early spring. Yeah, you could do that before the prune them like you did last year before the new growth begins. Why you only got, you know, after all these years of the flowering, have you been fertilizing? No, I haven't. Well, maybe consider doing some fertilizing because flowering really stresses plant material to the maximum. Whether it's a hydrangea, it doesn't matter what it is. So consequently, maybe there just wasn't the energy there for you know this flower bud set, even though you pruned everything at the right time and everything else. Okay, so for the color, it's aluminum phosphate, did you say? Sulfate, aluminum sulfate. sulfate. Okay. So it's sulfur with aluminum. All right, okay. So, um, so it's okay. You think to trim them in, like, in uh, as soon as uh, the winter is starting to be over with. Yeah, sometime around Valentine's Day is perfect. Okay, even if they've already budded and started, because they bud really fast. The buds that you're seeing are leaf buds; they're not flower buds yet. Okay, okay. Thank you very much. Certainly. And now let's go to John in South St. Louis. Hi, John. Morning, Mike. I have a very nice, wonderful stand of yellow leaf and another type of bamboo that's now about 20 to 25 foot tall. Been there about five years. I have a couple questions. Uh, because of the dry summer we've had, uh, I've been watering constantly, but is there something I can use on those to fertilize them? Well, you can, but there's no reason to. Because, oh, I mean, okay. this golden groove bamboo that you have... I mean, they're really tough. They're durable. They don't need a whole lot of extra fertilizing. And by fertilizing, all you're going to do is accelerate the expansion and the invasive qualities that it has. Yeah, and we have plenty of that. Yes. Number two, um, is it? Would it be okay? I'm I'm considering uh, if it can be done, trimming them down, all of this down to maybe like uh, ten foot tall. Uh, will that 
hurt the bamboo to be cut like that? Well, it all depends on, you know, winter, weather, and all that other stuff. But bamboo is, you know, it's a grass. So, in right. other words, it's like mowing your grass. You can mow your grass, but it'll keep growing. So, whether it's going to grow from that cane that you have left that's now 10 feet tall versus whatever height it actually was, that may, them leafing out, if there's no leaves on that, you know, that cane, that bamboo cane, all the way up to the point where you cut it off, that one will probably just die, but there'll be new growth that comes off the root system. Okay, and number three, uh, to have it cut, uh, what I call a tree trimmer, or or who could I get to do this job? (laughs) Some nut. No, it, you know, maybe exactly. a panda bear or something like that. You know, maybe you could get one from the, I don't think our zoo has pandas, but anyway. So, yeah, any kind of landscape service or anything like that could cut them off. But I would, you know, as opposed to just cutting them off like that, because like I say, then you're just going to end up with a huge amount of dead cane sticking up out of the ground with a bunch of new growth coming up, you know, at the bottom. I just tell them to selectively take out every, you know, 10th cane or whatever, whatever you choose and cut it off at ground level. Oh, okay. Okay. Very good. And then you still have the willow, you know, tall quality of this stuff, but you're not going to be able, it's not like mowing. You're not going to be able to do that because it is a grass technically, but it is a grass with woodiness in those canes. And so then those canes, you know, are just not going to be able to push out any new growth. Yeah, I have several fishing poles as is. So. <laughs> okay, exactly. thank you for your help. Sure. <laughs> and now let's go to Nick. Nick is from St. Charles. Hi, Nick. Good morning, sir. Hi. Uh, question for you. I've got a hydrangea that's throwing, throwing more blooms now than it has all year. Are those blooms robbing from next spring? No, not at all. Okay. So, in other words, if they're bloom, summer blooming, fall bloomers, basically the flower buds for next year are going to be set next year as the new leaves start coming out. It's just unusual Missouri weather doing it right now. You're absolutely right. It is so screwy out there. There's been insects that I've never seen before. There's been plants that are totally out of sequence. It has just been unbelievable. And one last question. Uh, I had overseeding done and aeration, and I've got some patches. Uh, is it still all right to throw some seed on those patches, or am I getting too late? It's really, you're on the cusp. If you got the okay. grass seed, I would say go ahead and do it. Rake the areas first. You know, put the seed down, get seed starter fertilizer, and put it down with it, and water it every day for two weeks, and then just keep your fingers crossed. All righty. Thanks you for your Yeah. If you don't have the grass seed, then, you know, just skip it for this for now. Thank you again. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, realize that during the Garden Hotline, maybe you're making some waffles or something. You missed the answer to a question you thought was really important. Well, Greg does podcasting right after the show is over. So you can go to kmox.com slash audio, and you can look at this week's you know, show, Garden Hotline, or you can go back a long period of time. You can go back, like the gentleman said, six weeks ago I gave an answer. He can go back six weeks and see what I said. Maybe I was really full of it. Anyway, let's go to Vivian, and Vivian is in St. Peter's. Hi, Vivian. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I have two vines I want to get rid of. One is a wild grapevine, and the other one is poison ivy that's really easy to identify right now right. because of the color. What what can I spray on them? 
Are they growing on anything that you value? Not really. So basically, this is not the ideal time to be spraying. Because the plants are headed towards dormancy, and the effectiveness of herbicides is going down, 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 down. But if you want to go ahead and get some Roundup for killing poison ivy, but it's, I mean, it will kill anything that's woody, but it has to say poison ivy woody plant killer on it, not regular Roundup. You can go ahead and spray as many of the leaves as you possibly can. If you see where the, you know, with the poison ivy, you want to stay away from it, unless you're just not allergic to it. I'm highly allergic, so I... Yeah, I have great respect for poison ivy. But if you see any place where the trunks are coming up out of the ground, if you can just cut those, have somebody, or you can cut them off and spray the Roundup right on that cut, that would be another way to go about doing it rather than just spraying it on the leaves. Okay, that would be the best way to do it then? Yes. Get it directly. Because if you spray it on the leaves, the leaves are, like I said, they're... If the poison ivy's red, that means it's really going to sleep. So it may not be even translocating anything back front, you know, towards the root system or the, you know, it may just not get the, let's say, the herbicide back to where it needs to go. Because you want to kill the root system. You just don't want to kill the leaves off. Right, right. Yes, I, I don't want to see it next year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, it's going to be multiple years depending upon how much, how big these are, whether it's grapes or poison ivy, either one. So it's not going to be a one-year shot. So the grapes, I should wait till the spring. I mean, they are all over the trees and everything. Yeah, if you got, if you can see, again see where the you know the trunks of the grapes are coming up out of the ground, then you can cut those off at a forty-five degree angle and just paint the roundup for killing woody plants. It'll say poison ivy woody plant killer right on the cut after you right after you make it. Okay, that probably I'll have to do in the spring because now it's like ten feet tall and. 200 feet long. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just you don't have to cut it off any. You can cut it off two feet above the ground. You don't have to go out and cut it way high or anything. Oh, okay. So okay. just cut, make a cut so you can get in, you know, get the herbicide, the Roundup, right onto the cut right after you make it. Okay, good. And keep it away from the woody plants. Yes, exactly. Okay, thanks a lot, Mike. Yep. And let's go now to Jerry. And Jerry is in Washington. Hi, Jerry. Washington, Missouri. Hey, how are you doing today? Very good. Good. Hey, I've got a question for you. Uh, I've got a piece of ground that's uh, been in soybeans this year and want to convert it over to grass. Uh, The beans have not been uh, harvested yet, but uh, I don't want to go forward with cropping the land anymore. I want to turn it into kind of a short-growing field, grass field. And I wanted to get your suggestions on types of seeds or, you know, variety of, of grasses that would be short growers, uh, not trying to do hay, just uh, just trying to convert field into not quite lawn, but uh, something that's uh, easily maintained. Basically, take a look. There's a type of grass. It's a warm season grass, but it's called buffalo grass. It's going to get about 8 to 10 inches high. Now, are you sure you want to go with, you know, with a grassy look? Because also you could consider something like Dutch white clover, which will only get four to six inches high, and it would just cut, you know, the clover, the buffalo grass is a clump grower, so you're going to have to continue for multiple years to overseed that until you're going to get it nice and filled in. But with right. the... With the uh, Dutch white clover, it, you know, it has invasive quality, so you might consider that. There's not too many other grasses that are going to stay as short as what you want. 
Okay, what about, say, like orchard grass or uh, even like a... Uh, what are some of the dwarf fescues and things along those lines? Well, they're still going to probably get taller than what you anticipate. I don't know how tall you want to get it. But, yeah, you I can just go get... I don't mind Yeah, I don't mind brush hogging. It's okay. just uh, I don't want something that's like a tremendous grower. Right. So I would say look at the K31 fescue then. Okay. And again, it's going to, you know, for an open field circumstance like this, you're going to be overseeding every May and every September for several years. Again, the fescues are a clump grower just like the buffalo grass, and then consequently you're going to have gaps in between. So like I said, it's going to be a long, persistent sort of job, but in the end you're going to get what you want. One other thing, is there any reason not to do uh, some multiple, multiple varieties in there? No, heavens no. Okay. Because you're going to so end up with, with that anyway. You're going to end up with weeds in there and all kinds of other stuff as well. Right. So what would you put? What would you suggest along with the K31 that that clover or some other things? Yeah, I'd put the clover in and not try to get too many different things going on at once. And then okay. you can always add another you know another variety as time goes on. Okay. Awesome. Appreciate it. Yep. Good luck with that. And it's. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, don't put any seed down this time of year, especially if the soybeans have not even been, you know, harvested yet, because you're going to have to turn the soil over, get it all leveled out, so you're probably looking at next May before you put any seed down. When you put the seed down, ask at the garden center where you're getting the seed, how many pounds, which this is always, even for me, super complicated. They'll say put, you know, two pounds per thousand square feet. What does that mean? So just don't throw, to me, I just throw grass seed out, or I tell people, throw the grass seed out, just don't make it so it's piled on top of each other. So that's Is basic. there any, would it be good to disc that seed in? No, that's probably going to get it too low, because a grass seed, naturally grass, as it self-seeds, just drops the seed on the surface of the soil. So if you get it down too low, it, you could be causing problems. Okay. Appreciate the insight. Sure. And, yeah, good luck with that. And also, uh, maybe, you know, if you're putting the seed down, think about getting a seed starter-type fertilizer. But uh, thanks, Jerry. And uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We probably have time for one more call this hour. But those phone numbers, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, if you want to get in line for next hour. Right now, I tell you, the weeds, the warm season weeds, so in other words, the spurges, the ragweed, the purslane, the knotweed, the carpet weed, the crabgrass, barnyard grass, goosegrass, foxtail, those are warm season weeds. They're all headed south. And so in other words, they've already had their run. They've, you know, producing seed, they're dropping seed. They're going to be dead in a relatively short period of time as the days get shorter and shorter and shorter. And then as Megan said earlier, Finally, next Wednesday, we might be getting some temperatures that might be quasi-normal for this time of year. But what's happening right now is henbit, common chickweed, annual bluegrass, prickly lettuce, those kind of things. Those are the cool season weeds. They're just now starting. They've been germinating, so they're kind of hiding in around other things. So that's the weed that you need to be concerned with watching out for. Anyway, let's go... uh, Let's go to Cheryl. Cheryl, how are you today? Hi, good. Uh, I have a problem, uh, have had for the past couple of years with raccoons getting in my backyard and tearing up the lawn. 
<laughs> and uh, we always call a trapper. He comes out and gets them, but it gets to be pretty expensive. And right. got up yesterday morning, and here the whole one section of the backyard was just practically torn to shreds again. Now, we got a couple traps set out last night, but we didn't catch anything last night. But what I want to know is why we, and we're, my husband is real picky about our lawn. And, uh, you know, it seems like we've got one of the best lawns in the neighborhood, but they always pick our lawn to get in. And I want to know why that is, and is there anything else we could do to prevent that? There's not too much you can, I mean, you know, repellents and things like that are really not going to work all that much. And are you sure that still the raccoon's doing it? Because I get the... Voice of the Rose, which is a the monthly news monthly newsletter. It's even more than a letter from the Rose Society, and there's some talk of there's armadillos in the metropolitan area that are coming into people's yards that are rutting things up. But you've historically caught the raccoons, so you're pretty much sure it's still the raccoons doing it. They're basically digging on the surface looking for insects. So if you have a nicer yard, that means you're going to have all kinds of different insects, meaning even earthworms. So yeah. that, that's what they're going after. So either let your yard just go to heck, and then the earthworms are going to go, well, we're moving out of here, or this is just something you're going to have to deal with. Yeah. Well, I just wondered, my, we had always heard that they were looking for grubs. Well, they do eat grubs if they come across them, but there's grubs at the surface, but they eat anything. So yeah. just killing the grubs is not going to get rid of raccoons. It's not going to get rid of moles. It's not going to get rid of voles or anything else. Yeah, and usually so basically the, all, we're just forced to just, you know, either let our lawn go to pot or just keep trapping them and paying the money out to do that, huh? Exactly. You don't have much yeah. choice. I mean, it gets to be really expensive. We put, you know, four or $500 out, you know, trapping them, and, and it's it just gets to be ridiculous, you know. <laughs> I agree. So, so maybe yeah. just say, we've had a great lawn. Go out and air, you know, take a selfie, lay down, take a selfie, and when your lawn looks really nice, <laughs> and then every time you're feeling forlorn, you can just pull the picture out or look at your smartphone or whatever. But basically, there's not really too much you can do. Now, if, yeah. if they were coming after bird seed and other things, there's things you can do. But lawns, no, there's really not. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'll be able to convince my husband of that, but... <laughs> We'll see. <laughs> All right. I just wanted to check with you on that. Yeah. Unfortunately, and they come out at night. That's the unfortunate thing, right. too. Yeah. I mean, I've seen raccoons coming up out of the dumpsters in the alley behind our house at nighttime. So they're yeah. there. Well, and we've got a little bit of a wooded area oh. behind us. So, you know, I right. mean, we're target. But it, I just, you know, I don't understand why they don't go to the neighbor to the left or the neighbor to the right. It's always right in the middle of our backyard. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Thanks. And anybody else has any questions for the next hour, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Wow. Water, 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 water. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after the news. The voice of the Cardinals. News Radio 1120, KMOX. KMOX HD, St. Louis. 102.5 KEZK, HD3, St. Louis. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates 
Price and coverage match limited by state law.